0: one ghost
1: two girls one ghost oh wait shit two girls one ghost truthfully i'm in a little bit of a we're recording this on halloween and i've hit that point of day
0: this is halloween. This this is is halloween. Halloween halloween
1: but i've reached that point of the holiday where i'm very sad and i feel like Why? it's such a long ways away till the next one
0: Halloween is still going on in my mind. Until the clock strikes 12, I am going to enjoy watching all the children run around in their costumes. Hocus Pocus is playing on repeat. I'm talking to you, my spooky ghost gal, and (laughs) I'll just start brainstorming ideas for next year.
1: That's true. We have, we're going to do another trip, obviously, like we do. Like we did.
0: It was so much fun. We should talk about what happened when we went to the witch uh, trials memorial. (gasps) Oh my God, I forgot about this. I was thinking about it today because it was weird. It
1: was super weird. So if you're not familiar, Salem, in Salem, Massachusetts, they have a whole memorial for all the witches, or sorry, all the people who are falsely accused of being witches. (laughs) Right. Not witches. And we were walking past, they're basically stones with their names engraved, and then the day that they were uh, murdered and how they were killed.
0: Yeah, and we went there last year as well. Yeah. So this is our second time visiting the memorial. Mm -hmm. And we kind of went later at
1: night this time. And we were walking through them. It was normal. And then all of a sudden we got to one and we all, Corinne, Allie, and I got this overwhelming sense of like energy. Just sadness and overwhelm. Like I I felt overwhelmed.
0: Yeah, me too. I felt like I was going to start crying. And we had already passed by a few others and had looked at Mm -hmm. the other ones. And we come up to this this particular one and all three of us, Allie included, who gets so freaked out by all of that (laughs) stuff, just all of a sudden we are just like, oh, my God, we feel so sad. But it wasn't like a sadness belonging to us. It wasn't just like, oh, this is a bummer, like walking through the memorial and thinking about these people. It was it was different. It felt like we were feeling someone else's sadness. Right. So then we walk up. Mm -hmm. And Sabrina? Okay, there's
1: a letter, and I took a picture of it because, and I want to make sure I get the name of the woman correct. Okay, yeah, it was Martha. I don't have the last name. But on the stone was this handwritten letter, and it was from a great-great-granddaughter of this woman. And we start reading it, and it's signed with the name Sabrina.
0: Yes. And it was just so sad and so heartfelt, and yeah. oh my god, it was just. And that's probably what we were feeling. We we're probably feeling that woman, her sadness, and this like sort of weird energy, having just met her great great granddaughter. Yeah, I, I started reading the
1: letter out loud to Corinne and Ellie, and I just like started crying. And I was like, I Yeah, I'll take a picture, and we can look at this later.
0: But that it was, was the, so
1: intense.
0: That was really our only our only paranormal experience during the trip. Can I say our really exciting
1: part of the trip that has nothing to do with paranormal but is witchy and fun? I don't when know what you're talking about.
0: we went to the Hocus Pocus house. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> Which I, I've been to Max and Danny's house plenty of times. But mm-hmm. this time we got so lucky. We pulled up and we parked and all of a sudden we see this whole crowd
1: forming and we're like, what's going on? And we saw these amazing people dressed up as the Sanderson
0: sisters. These men in drag were dressed was- as the Sanderson sisters <laughs> and they were unreal they were like the best costumes i've ever seen the best replicas of the sanderson sisters and they were so in character they were saying the lines they were hilarious and at the hocus pocus house they had a few props set up for people who were wanting to take pictures which included like a vacuum and the broomstick so they took pictures with the props oh my gosh it was so good we'll have to post one of the pictures yeah They were in
1: character, and then later we drove past them. and In the car. You guys are amazing. (laughs) And they were like,
0: ooh, I put a spell on you. Yeah, they were great. They had the fake nails. And they also had one of their girlfriends with them, or female friends, um, who was dressed as Emily in her like bonnet and had a fake cat for Thackeray Binks. I
1: know. So great. It was so great. So
0: great. Do you want to finally
1: reveal what you were for Halloween?
0: I was Target Lady, Kristen Wiig's SNL character. Target. <laughs> it lady. It was amazing.
1: Corinne seriously was like, "I'm like," she did not tell me, as you all know, I had no idea, and she was like going to hide in the bathroom and get dressed. But right when Allie and I got into Boston, Allie guessed what she was.
0: Yeah, Allie saw the wig, and then she started guessing, and it it, it and came quick. It. So I was like, "Fine, I'll tell you." but oh but my you gosh were so
1: good i mean the you, people
0: you nail the voice <laughs> that's what helps is i can do the voice a lot of people didn't know what i was because if they don't know the skit they have no idea who i am but the people who did know oh my gosh that is what made my costume because i loved seeing how hard they laughed mm-hmm. yep it was good oh, it was so a good funny. one not attractive so that's for sure Whatever. The whole night, you would look at me and you're like, I can't even look at you. You don't even look (laughs) like yourself. I can't take you seriously. You
1: You did not look like yourself. You looked like (laughs) Kristen Wiig's character.
0: And then Sabrina, the whole night, was basically, you were almost a flasher because you would flash your organs to people. Yes. You had a skeleton onesie. And then when you unzip it, you had all your internal organs there. And I was saying, we're all the same inside. Well, because originally I was going to do skeletons
1: in the closet and then I was like, how do I make this like more fun? So I was like, ooh, what if I still have my organs inside of me? So I like started looking up all these things and I found this thing on Amazon, which was like a learning tool for teachers to teach students <laughs> about the body parts. And it's like Velcro pieces of like the liver, the heart, your kidneys, your small intestine, all this stuff. And so I was like, well, I'm getting that and wearing it underneath my costume. And it was so
0: fun. And they would, ve- it, like, the organs would Velcro on and off. So Sabrina yeah. would, like, pretend to eat her heart. Mm-hmm. She would offer up her kidneys to people. She was protecting yep. her liver because she needed it. <laughs> oh, my God. It was so funny. <laughs> oh, God. There and I know some... what I'm being next year. What uh, can, you, can you say? No,
1: because we'll save it.
0: Okay, we'll save it.
1: But you it. know what it is. Do I? We talked about
0: it. Oh, God. <laughs> Yeah. Should we say our favorite costumes that we saw out? Oh my gosh. Number one, Allie okay. and Sabrina, you and Allie were a bit amazed at the costumes that were at the place we were at. We went to Cambridge Brewing Company for their great pumpkin festival, and people do not dress provocatively. At all, and I was so happy with that. There was not one scantily clad person. There was, oh my gosh, the fish and fish sticks was that, my favorite. That was my favorite too. I thought you were going to say the woman that was Edward Scissorhands because you kept talking oh, about
1: her. Oh my god, she was so great too. She was, was great. There was a woman dressed as Edward Scissorhands, Scissorhand Scissorhands working at the bar, and she <laughs> had but like working. seriously was holding she a beer. Use her hands, yeah, holding a beer with the, her Scissorhands, and I was like,
0: hey, "Be careful." <laughs> And then there was another woman that was dressed up as a fish stick, like a fish fillet box, mm-hmm. and then dressed her body as the fish stick. So <laughs> oh, funny! A hormone monstrous. We met the hormone uh-huh. monsters from Big Mouth. There For were some great ones. We saw a lot of. We met Coraline. Oh, Coraline was good. We also.
1: It was cool because at this festival, they did this, like, really creepy thing where they had – it was, like, almost like monks carrying a massive pumpkin. It was pumpkin. monks. Yeah, they
0: were, like, these But they creepy creepy had scary face mon- masks on. They were the Cambridge Brewing Company monks.
1: And they carried a pumpkin that was basically a keg down through the crowd, and they rang a bell, and it was, like, fog, and it was super
0: creepy, And then they They tapped tapped the pumpkin, pumpkin. and out came pumpkin beer, and (laughs) ceremoniously it was passed around, and everyone drank the blood of the pumpkin. And Xenon was in front of us, and she kept being like, Xenus Lapidus! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that was great. We really enjoyed our time. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. We hope you guys had fun, too. We've been really enjoying seeing all the costumes that people have been posting. Mm -hmm. I can't wait to see everyone's. People are so clever.
1: And spooky. I mean, I love seeing kids who get into the really creepy costumes. When kids get creepy, it's like, hell yeah, you're my you're my friend.
0: My favorite child costume of the year, I saw it twice today walking through Beacon Hill, is when people dress as chefs and fishermen, and then they put their baby dressed as a lobster and carry them around in a pot. It is <laughs> my favorite. It's also very, very New England. Oh, I shed some tears. I looked crazy.
1: <laughs> Wait, we saw... When we were in Salem, we saw um, we saw a lot of costumes. But remember we saw that baby that was dressed like a scuba diver and the binky was <gasps> a was snorkel?
0: That so good. That one was cute, too. That one was very cute.
1: We saw Ugh, a lot babies. of great
0: costumes. That's one of the special things. If you ever find yourself in the Salem area during the month of October, especially the weekend of Halloween... It is just a great place to go because people go and dress up like adults are dressed up walking around town, just touring it like full on costumes, full on group costumes. It doesn't matter if you're going to a bar or if you're going trick or treating with your kids or if you're just trying to pop into some shops and walk around and see the sights. People dress up. There were zombie
1: Teletubbies. There were it feels like when you walk around Salem, first of all, it's the closest i think i'll ever get to halloween town but then also it's a little bit of this like horror if you were to go to like six flags where people like kind of creep up on you and stare Mm -hmm. at you and try to scare you
0: it's like a real life halloween town because even when we were at dinner we were sitting down at an italian restaurant and like a witch walked in and put down her name and i was like this is halloween town i texted nick and i was like uh, I am I can move to Salem. I really hope you do. <laughs> we already found you're going to work at the Beverly bookstore. Ugh, I know.
1: I nearly cried when I saw it. It was so pretty. <laughs> it
0: was so cute. I was
1: like, I want to work there. I want to retire and work in a library and write my books
0: and just read novels all day. Wait, you can okay. Dress up.
1: Speaking of the reason I can't move, so the workshop that I'm in. That mm-hmm. I haven't told people about. But the workshop that I'm in, everyone is into ghost stories. And yesterday, this girl in my group told a ghost story that was so scary. Uh,
0: are you going to tell it right now to us? No, I'm just going to leave you hanging. <laughs> to <laughs> us, to me, Aww. to us. I'm including, I'm like, everyone's sitting here with me.
1: <laughs> I'm alone! So this girl lived in a house, and she moved out a few years later, and... Uh, She heard the story recently where a girl who she used to live with moved out and another girl moved in. And this girl who moved in slept in this like part of the house that was almost like a turret of a castle, like my dream tower that I want. Yes. And she would, every night she would wake up to a man in a three-piece suit and a hat staring at her. And it was almost like a dream, but she, but it also feel like felt like it was real. And every night she kept dreaming this guy, and every night he got closer.
0: I don't like this already.
1: And closer. And closer. No. Until one night she woke up, and when she went to look at the doorway, the man wasn't there anymore. So she turned over to go back to sleep.
0: No, 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 no.
1: Where was the man?
0: He was next to her laying laying in bed bed next to her. (laughs)
1: Then, fast forward to, like, a party they were having at the house, and this girl who lives there now was talking to the girl who had moved out before her, and they were talking about how she liked living there, and she was like, I like it a lot, and, like, she didn't mention the dreams that she was having, and she asked the girl who used to live there, she's like, how are you liking your new place? She's like, oh, I really like it, you know, I miss this place, but I really don't miss The dreams I used to have about the man in the three-piece suit.
0: If I did not just shave all my body hair (laughs) off, it would be standing up on its edge right now. Isn't it
1: terrifying? Oh. So there's a ghost in that house that in that room haunts every person who sleeps in it and tries to get in bed with them. Well,
0: what? so uh, I have questions. Like what happens is does it just does he get as close as he can, and then that's it. Like, once he's laying down in bed, I like, no idea. He's, he's like, okay, I feel comfortable now. Does he get I any know. closer? What happens after that? I have no idea. No idea. Holy crap, I would move 100%.
1: Oh, speaking of go sleeping with people, remember that woman? I think her name's like Amethyst or something. Maybe I'm making that yes! up. Yes. Oh my she gosh. She is
0: engaged. Yes. <laughs> My friend Alex just sent me this. He sent me that on Instagram, and I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I was like, I knew she was shooting for a baby, but I, I guess I'm glad she's engaged first. Yeah. So
1: if you don't follow and you're confused by what the hell we're talking about, it's okay. We'll tell you. So a while back, there was this woman who claimed she's- that she was having sex with a ghost. And yeah, her boyfriend- she's from the UK. Yep. Yep. Her fiancé at the time caught her? Or was it just a boyfriend? She lived with her fiancé. Okay. So he caught her and they broke up. And so then she was like, I want to have a baby with a ghost.
0: And now she's engaged to one. Yeah. She's on the right path. Right. So when she was being interviewed, she had said that she had sexual relationships with over 20 ghosts. Mm -hmm. And that she was looking into having these sort of like phantom half phantom half child babies i need to i need to read up on who her new fiance is we'll keep you updated on her uh love life her
1: love life because mine's very boring i don't have one (laughs) (laughs) i almost said that then i was like that's
0: mean i mean it's the truth it's not mean (laughs) it's accurate oh gosh yeah it's okay i'm not sensitive about it i'm not like oh i don't have a boyfriend Good because you're a strong and independent woman and you don't
1: need a man to make you happy.
0: <laughs> my roommate was laughing the other day. She was like, "Are you kidding me?" Because I couldn't reach my mac and cheese box on the top shelf, so I grabbed the little um the tongs uh-huh. and I used the tongs to reach it. I did it so seamlessly and so quickly. Oh. And she was like, "Are you kidding?" And I was like, "See? I don't need a man. I can reach my own mac and cheese."
1: <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Um, okay, should we just get into our topic, which is Ghosts of Flight, which was picked by one of our Patreon donors, Jasmine, and I am very glad I didn't do the research for this before I came to visit you, because I don't know if I would have been able to get on a plane.
0: Uh, yeah, because a lot of them have to do with crashes. So perfect that we're doing this right before Thanksgiving, Christmas, (laughs) and everyone goes home for the holidays to see their family, and
1: and safe travels, everyone. No, it's fine. I mean, they say you're safer in a plane than you are in your home. I
0: think I made that up. Okay, well, if this... No, that doesn't make... Why was I about to give that example? Never mind. What were you going to (laughs) say? It doesn't make any sense. I was like... I was going to say, this past Mega Millions, you were more likely to get in, like, a plane crash and then get struck by lightning and then get struck by lightning again and then get attacked by a shark or, like, all these things than win the lottery. But that is the opposite of what I wanted to say, <laughs> which was "Don't worry, oh, it's rare." Oh God, I'm so excited about mine. And Jasmine actually gave me this one. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about it too. It's good. I've my coworkers are probably sick of me because at lunch I was like, "Did you know?" And then I just told my entire episode to them.
1: Isn't it the best when you learn something that's so fascinating to you and you just can't stop telling people?
0: Yeah, and I don't think they wanted to hear it. They were like, What's going well, that And I was this. like, Ghost flights. And they're like, Has that happened? And I was like, Well, on December 29th of 1972, <laughs> Eastern Airlines sent flight 401 from New York to Miami. I'm just doing it now. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. I figured you're jumping in. We're going. That was a good transition. <laughs> so the plane was going from New York from JFK to Miami. It had done this flight a bunch, this was a regular flight p- path for Eastern Airlines. And the plane made it to Florida, but did not make it to its final destination. Flight 401 crashed in the Florida Everglades that day. It killed 101 people. Oh, my gosh. 96 passengers, the pilots, the flight engineer, and two flight attendants died. 75 people on board survived. Every single Whoa. survivor had injuries. But they survived, which is crazy. Survived. Yes. Okay, so why did the crash happen? The crash happened because of a bit of faulty gear and also human error, humans being distracted. The plane was approaching Miami Airport when First Officer Stockstill noticed that the landing gear indicator was a mess, like the light wasn't turning on. And so they believed their landing gear was no good. But then they were like, mm, well, maybe the light is just broken. And so they ended up kind of manually putting down the landing gear But they didn't know if it actually went down yet. So they signaled to the Miami airport and asked for a holding pattern to buy them some time. So basically, it's where when a plane's about to land or like you're supposed to be landing, but you have an issue or whatever, or maybe there's a delay in landing schedule. They'll give you sort of like a loop flight path for you to just kind of do circles around the area until you're ready to go in and land. And so Miami Air Traffic Control gives them a holding pattern to buy them some time. So they climb up 2,000 feet and they begin their loop just circling around the Florida Everglades. So they speculated that the landing gear might be broken, but they did manually push the landing gear down. And so while they were discussing the matter, the flight engineer Repo went down to look out a little hole down in sort of like the pit area um, Mm -hmm. to get his eyes on the landing gear to see if it had actually lowered. And then another crew member put the plane on autopilot. 80 seconds after the plane was put on autopilot, it dropped about 100 feet. Oh, God, that's so scary. Yeah. But I don't – it wasn't, like, very sudden, though, I don't think. And then it maintained its altitude for a few more minutes, and then it gradually started to decline. And the belief is that – and the way the controls were – was that it was switched on to a certain sort of autopilot setting where – Whatever kind of, like, the shift like, the gear was on in terms of altitude, it was meant to, like, maintain it. So the belief is that the captain, in all the chaos and in all of the conversation they were having with the crew about the landing gear and, like, their timing and everything, they believe the captain accidentally nudged the control for altitude when he had turned to start talking to the crew members and that he had not noticed. So the plane starts to decline And the decline is so slight that nobody noticed the descent, nor did they notice the autopilot had shut off. It is pitch black. They're above the Florida Everglades. There are no lights below. And so they're just slowly, well, not that slowly, but basically it's undetectable in terms of how you feel physically moving in the plane with their decline. And they were only 2,000 feet in the air. So that's not very high for a plane. Right. That's like, yeah, that's really low. Right. So... You're like, okay, well, aren't there other devices on the plane that warn you when you get too low? Yes, there is an altitude warning and it actually chimed. But the person who's in charge of hearing that chime and sitting next to that device is the engineer. And the flight engineer repo was below deck, or what do you say on a plane? I don't know. He was in the hole trying to see if the landing gear had gone down. So he wasn't sitting there. So he didn't hear the chiming. And the rest of the crew and the pilots and the captain and everyone, they were talking and running around and stuff. So they didn't hear the signal either. Holy bananas. The fact that all of these things happened all at once. I know. The pilots were Extremely experienced. One of them had over 30 years of experience and almost 30,000 hours of flight experience. Um, they eventually noticed the altitude discrepancy in a recording that was probably, I assume, like in the black box or whatever is retrieved. A recording was found that showed this dialogue between the pilots. I'm so excited you're acting it out. Pilot Stockstill. We did something to the altitude. Captain Loft. What? Pilot Stockstill. We're still at 2,000 feet, right? Captain Loft, hey, what's happening here? Ten seconds after that conversation, the last recorded conversation, Flight 401 crashed into the Florida Everglades at 227 miles per hour. For our international listeners, it's 365 kilometers per hour. Holy. The plane slid across the Everglades. The Everglades are made of, like, grass and and wetland, marsh. So they're ripping up the grass. The plane is tearing large holes into the ground and it's basically being broken up as it moves through this wet kind of tangly terrain. In all, the flight crew were preoccupied for only four minutes. So in these four minutes, a plane crashed. Four minutes of being distracted. This was the second deadliest single aircraft disaster in the u.s at the time and it's still ranked as one of the worst disasters do you wait what year was this again this was 1972 bud marquis was out frogging which is the term used for basically like frog hunting frog catching with his friend and he witnessed the crash and bud rushed to the scene in his boat he received many burns because there was jet fuel everywhere and debris and everything like that but he saved many many people he received awards for his bravery, and the surviving flight attendants were also credited with aiding the survival of many people, and they were praised for um, actually lifting up the spirits of people because they started singing Christmas carols, so it was To help people, you know, keep in good spirits, but also it was to help rescue teams find them because at the time it was not standard to have flashlights on planes. So they had no way of signaling where they were. And I'm sure if you're in so much pain, if you're alive,
1: like, you might be in shock. You might be – you might might not be able to
0: signal that you're alive. Right. Exactly. A lot of broken bones, a lot of people unable to move probably – incapacitated I'm sure from the blow and there were plenty there were some people including uh, one of the uh, the captain himself who did survive the initial crash but died from injuries like right after the crash before they could be transported to the hospital so really really horrible Um, Captain Bob Loft and flight engineer Don Repo survived the crash these two people did but they died from injuries not long after so Captain Loft died at the site. He wasn't transported in time. And then flight engineer Don Repo was transported to the hospital, but he passed away there from his injuries. Wow. While the cause of the crash was believed to be the result of human error, John G. Fuller released a book. Well, I don't know why I wrote this like this. This is making it seem like it wasn't human error. It was human error. (laughs) John G. Fuller released a book in 1976 called The Ghosts of Flight 401 and it tells of all the paranormal events that followed the crash. Ooh. And actually he wrote another book about Betty and Barney Hill, which you covered, Sabrina. The alien abduction what? couple from New Hampshire. I feel like I'd get along with this guy. We both yeah. would. He seems like an interesting author. So Eastern Airlines says that the stories, the haunted stories are absolute bogus, but those who have experienced it say it's definitely not. It's real. It's real. Not long after the crash, the captain and the engineer who died on flight 401, which was Bob Loft and Don Repo, were reported as appearing on other Eastern Airline jets oh. more than 20 times. Holy. Over 20 sightings. Yeah, that's not just a fluke. That's something right? paranormal. It was rumored that some of these planes that they appeared on actually had parts that were from the plane that Bob and Don were flying that day. They reused part of the plane? So this is the thing. It's the rumor. I mean, the airline is like, we didn't do that, but we think they did. The rumor has it they salvaged some of the good parts and reused them on their planes. That's nuts. Yeah. I mean, they eventually went out of business, so we don't have to tiptoe around the shadiness that might have existed (laughs) on Eastern Airlines. Those who saw Loft and Repo said that they were so lifelike that it was actually hard to identify them as ghosts at first. And some people didn't even realize they were ghosts until they vanished. front of them whoa and the people who are saying these things the people who are seeing these spirits are captains their first officers crew members very reputable people who are claiming to see these men and even caterers like the people who go in and restock the the food selection like they've been spooked a few times and run out and said that they came in contact with an apparition who vanished in front of them that's spooky uh one of the planes that had salvaged parts was getting ready for takeoff and the flight engineer was going through the pre flight inspection when Repo, the flight engineer from flight 401 that passed away, appeared and said, You don't need to worry about the pre flight. I've already done it. Isn't Wait, that crazy?
1: I love the idea of these spirits who, like, maybe it was their fault that the plane went down and now they're preventing or they were preventing it from happening oh, again.
0: They are. <sighs> yes, they are. This is exactly what this story is. Oh, I love this. Repo is known to be very hands-on when it comes to providing assistance from the other side. Uh, right. A flight attendant once spotted him in the in the galley oven, and on another flight, a flight engineer heard knocking below the cockpit. And he went below to investigate and he found, he was like, he opened it up and he was like face to face with Repo and he was really freaked out and Repo had that been checking on things. Being so, horrifying. Horrifying. So the man's super freaked out, but then he's like, okay, well, I should probably go investigate where like Repo was standing. And he ended up finding a problem that if it had gone unnoticed, it would have caused some serious issues. Wow. The vice president of Eastern Airlines even claimed that he encountered Captain Loft. He was on a plane and he noticed this man who was dressed in his um, captain's uniform sitting in first class. So the VP walks over and starts chatting with the guy before he realizes, wait, this guy looks kind of familiar. And then he realizes he's talking to Captain Loft. And as soon as he realizes it, the person he's talking to vanishes. So So you can't realize
1: it or they'll disappear.
0: Right. The VP saw the ghost but Eastern Airlines still refuses to comment on the activity and refuses to cooperate with paranormal investigators.
1: Putting no. you on blast, Eastern we're
0: Airlines. Calling you out. <laughs> calling you out. Well, I'm sure they're very aware of what's going on or what went on um, because some flights were even canceled due to the hauntings. Captain Loft Spirit appeared to another captain and two flight attendants who was talking to them, letting them know that the and, like, talking to the ground crew and letting everyone know that the pre-flight checks were done. They were all good to go. And then he just, poof, vanishes. And everyone was so freaked out and so spooked that they canceled the entire flight. They're like, we're not flying. There's a ghost on the plane. I, okay,
1: I'm, I have mixed feelings about that because I have, I totally understand it. Especially if you don't know the story. But even if you knew the story, you'd be like, oh, that's a bad sign. that spirit is a spirit of a plane that went down.
0: Right. So some people did think it was like a bad omen when the spirit appeared. Although, really, it was the opposite. Like they were protecting all of the planes.
1: Wow.
0: Another flight had very panicked passengers when one woman complained to a flight attendant about the quiet, unresponsive man in a uniform sitting next to her. She thought the guy was sick. She was trying to talk to him. He wasn't responding. He wasn't really acknowledging that she was there. So she was kind of concerned. She was like, something's wrong with this dude. (laughs) So she went up and she grabbed a flight attendant and the flight attendant went with her. The two women walked over and they went and checked on the man. And he was sitting there and right when they get over to him and everyone else on the plane is looking because there's a little bit of a commotion, he disappears. And the woman who had been sitting next to him starts freaking out. She's losing her shit. It takes a while for people to calm her down. And then when they finally do, they show her a few pictures, and one of them is a picture of Repo, and she points to it and says, that was the man. That was the man who was next to me. This was the flight engineer from Flight 401. Wow. Repo has also appeared as a reflection in the oven in the galley. He was spotted by a flight attendant named merriweather and this galley had supposedly they think or like parts of this area were salvaged from flight 401 and she was a bit freaked out when she saw a reflection because she was like oh my god i think i'm seeing a ghost so she went over and she grabbed two other crew members and one of the cr- crew members had actually known repo and recognized him immediately. Hi. And so they're gathered here, like, gawking at Repo's apparition. And they they can see that Repo's almost like, it looks like he's trying to talk. And then finally he speaks out and he says, watch out for the fire on this airplane. <gasps> and later on, the airplane had trouble with the engine. One of them caught fire. And so the airplane had to return to the airport. And the flight's final leg was canceled. And it, they had to make an emergency landing, basically. And doing that is really scary, and the crew on board were very reluctant to discuss what happened when they had to make the emergency landing, but they did mention that flight engineer Don Repo appeared in spirit form and talked them through the emergency landing. I (sighs) now only want to travel with a ghost on the plane. I know. I was like, I'm going to only travel on this airline, but they closed, so I (laughs) can't. So never mind. Ugh. Wow. Many crew members have recorded the sightings in the logbooks, but mysteriously, cough cough Eastern Airlines, the <laughs> logbooks are said to always be replaced with a blank one very quickly after. All right. We're going on a treasure hunt. And we're finding this logbook. All the um, old ones. Are you Can you imagine? That would be the best find ever at like a thrift store. Yes. Oh. <gasps> Maybe people have it and they don't know like where to place it and now they're listening to this and they're like wait a second that'd be the coolest if you worked at a bookstore we could probably find some of these treasures but you don't
1: well this is my favorite thing and this is another reason why i want to work at a library is because i want to find like books that people donate and like go through and find their like secret notes and like or messages that people have written to loved ones like for like dedicating the book to them
0: yeah that's but you'd also find scary stuff like my friend olivia and i one time were in an old bookstore. And we found, I forget what sort of book it was. it was, some sort of like witchcraft, dark magic sort of thing. And it had some really scary notes written in it, handwritten in it. Well, that's what I want. Sign me up. So Eastern Airlines was not overly open to discussing paranormal activity. But I think that they should be celebrating what happened and telling everyone. Because Repo and Loft were r- protecting Eastern Airlines flights And Repo even appeared to a captain one time and said, there will never be another crash. We will not let it happen. And it didn't. Rumor has it that the airline never admitted to reusing parts from Flight 401, but they had the old parts removed in secret. And when that happened, Repo and Loft stopped appearing. And there were no other crashes. Nothing ever happened. Until the airline closed in 1991, and now, obviously, they're closed, so we don't have to worry about any of their flights. Wow! So, while what happened was very tragic, at least Repo and Loft spent their afterlife protecting future flights, and also some good came out of it, because in response to Flight 401's crash, many airlines created the Crew Resource Management Training, which was basically meant to train the crew and pilots on, like, quick problem-solving in the cockpit Mm. and delicating tasks and whatnot so that these things don't happen and people aren't just milling about, like, what do we do? What do we do? Flashlights became standard equipment because they weren't. And um, jump seats were outfitted with shoulder harnesses. Apparently, that wasn't a thing before. So changes were made, people were saved, and the ghosts were the good guys. Oh, that's so sweet. Isn't it? I...
1: This makes me much happier because, well, unfortunately some of my stories are not this
0: happy, but I feel like this had a happy ending, whereas it started very sad. uh, Most ghost stories are sad because in order to have a spirit appear, someone has to pass away. That's true. So we always have death in every single one of our stories. Unless it's the Matrix and no one's actually dead. We don't know that, but my brain can't handle that right now. Yeah, no.
1: Let's – we'll come back to that never again.
0: Never again. (laughs) All righty. Let's hear it, Sabrina.
1: All right. Well, I ended up doing a collection of stories
0: because – You do this all the time. You write down in our little Excel sheet what you're going to do, and then you surprise me. I'm like ready to hear about one thing, and then you tell me something completely different. I still did the thing that was in there before. I just did a collection because –
1: I'm that person at an ice cream shop who tries 20 flavors before picking three that they mix together.
0: (laughs) I thought you were going to say tries 20 flavors, then realizes you're already full, and then doesn't (laughs) order any.
1: (laughs) Especially after visiting you, all I've done is eat pizza,
0: and I ate like six pieces today, and I'm still hungry. We stretched our stomachs out because I cannot get full, and I'm like, this is embarrassing. I can't have seven meals a day. You can I mean, I can, but (laughs) I shouldn't. Okay, so
1: the first story I'm going to do is about Amelia Earhart. Yes!
0: This is what you originally told me you were going to do. Yes.
1: And I think we all know who she is, but if you don't, she was the first female to fly solo across the Atlantic, and she set all these records. She was just a, a very iconic woman in history, and she kind of set records and standards and opened doors for so many women. And then she disappeared. So, she disappeared when she was making an attempt to circumnavigate the entire globe, um, and she disappeared on July 2nd, 1937. Amelia and her navigator, Fred Noonan, took off from Le, New Guinea New Guinea, in a Lockheed Electra 10E, which is a type of plane that I don't know much about. And they were heading towards Helen Island, which is just north of the equator in the central Pacific Ocean, and it was one of their last legs of the trip. So they had almost completely made it around the entire globe, and all of a sudden they disappeared. And they have some recordings, but then they have no idea where they ended up. There are all these theories and conspiracies, Mm -hmm. like – there's one theory that they crashed and sank. There's another one that she was a spy and that she was captured by the Japanese and then executed. Mm-hmm. And um, They
0: think there's actually a, a plane that they found that matches almost mm-hmm. every single part of the one that Amelia Earhart was flying. And so they think they may have found it, but they, I think, are raising money to go dive down and right. potentially bring it up. Astonishing Legends has like a three or four part Series yeah. Amelia Earhart.
1: And she's so fascinating. It's so and she, fascinating. Um, they actually, there was like some, I mean, people spend so much money trying to find her and explore the area of those islands where she did disappear. And there was uh, in, I can't remember the year, but they found a skeleton on Gardner Island, which was theorized to be the crash site because basically they were running out of um, gas. Cool. Fuel, yeah. And so they believed that – and they couldn't find the Howland Island. They couldn't see it. Like visibility wasn't clear. Or they had like gone past it and then they were redirecting themselves. And so they believed that based on the redirection that they ended up landing on Gardner Island. And they found human remains there and they sent them to – fiji to be studied and there were all these arguments like someone was like this is 100% a male and then another person was like no this is definitely a female and then all of a sudden someone misplaced the bones and so now we have no
0: oh my we God. can't study them well here's yeah. the other thing if it was one skeleton i have questions because amelia Earhart wasn't there, there was another guy with her
1: yeah she had a navigator
0: right so there would have to be two skeletons right
1: right Unless, like, one of them ended up in the water and one of or one them, of ended them up ate on the, the other and
0: then threw the bones in the ocean.
1: Yeah. Or, yeah. Or one of them ate the other one. Who knows?
0: I have a question for you, Sabrina, because you sure. are a vegetarian. Okay. And I just watched Adrift with Shailene Woodley. Ugh. Would you, in order to survive, eat meat? I'd have to. I'm not going to just, like, starve to death. Okay. Yeah. That was one I feel of the like dilemmas. She was almost like, I can't so I I mean I think I would
1: go through that phase of like I can't because you want to hold out hope for the fact that you'll get rescued and like you wouldn't have to do that but at a point it's like I'm either going to start hallucinating and dying because I haven't like given myself energy yeah or I eat meat and survive
0: I was just wondering what you would do
1: what if you were in a in a stuck in a grocery store post-apocalyptic all of the meat and everything was gone all that was left was tofu and vegetables would you eat them
0: i'd probably pass away and perish
1: (laughs) would you this is gonna get dark say you're stranded on an island just you and one other person and that person is badly injured you're there for three days this person is not gonna make it and they are holding you back do you eat them (laughs)
0: <laughs> honestly i don't think i would eat them but i wouldn't like if they were like put me out of my misery i think i would put me out of my misery if i really needed to survive and i like, could not stay in the area i'd be like dude i'm sorry but like this is a land before time situation i've got to continue i've got to eat you <laughs> no Sabrina. <laughs> Sabrina. <laughs> would you eat the person you just went from being a vegetarian to being like eat
1: them cannibalism
0: it's hard for me to think if i'm on an island there's fish there's crabs there's something that i could eat if there was literally nothing if it was like desert sand for miles and miles and miles i don't know if mentally i could do it
1: but this is the thing like what if okay i'm not gonna get too deep into this because these are things that i'll think about all night yeah but these are the things I think about in my private time. This is um, that
0: movie the, um, with the, the kid that's on the boat, Life of Pi.
1: Yeah. Well, because, like, what if what if you end up eating the person and then you get saved the next day and you're like, oh, shit. Like, I just ate a person for no reason.
0: Yeah, but you couldn't now. So then you just have to go to therapy every day.
1: What if you die after and then it's like your, your soul in the afterlife is, like, doomed because you died regardless and you also ate a person? But, but I, think out with Jeffrey I think Dahmer it's situational, and
0: you know, like I don't think everything is a sin if it if it comes down to like your actual survival and desperation. And at that point, if you're that starving, you're not thinking clearly anyway. You're delusional and going crazy and seeing. Crap. <laughs> All right. We can move on. Everyone let, let us. Know Everyone tweet us. Tell us. Would you eat the person? <laughs>
1: <laughs> These are important questions that we need to be asking ourselves.
0: My God, the FBI is going to start listening. Yes, another (laughs) listener, more listener. Download, (laughs) (laughs) rate and review. (laughs) I'm broken. Okay, so we were talking about Amelia Earhart. Would you like to go back to that? Uh,
1: I think we (laughs) could continue talking to our FBI agents. I'm kidding. Okay, so there's all these conspiracies about Amelia Earhart. What happened to her? But. Her ghost has been seen at Purdue University. <gasps> Purdue, East Coast. Mm-hmm. So she was actually a visiting faculty faculty member at Purdue University, and it's believed that her spirit is still there because for years there have been rumors circulating that Amelia has returned to walk the halls of her former dorm, which is Spartan Hall. Wow. So while she was a faculty member, she stayed in it room at the end of the first floor and people today still report seeing a strange form of a woman in an old-fashioned clothing with a close-cut haircut and who upon being approached is said to vanish into the surrounding so like she'll vanish into a <sighs> wall or i want her
0: to just stick around and like be a little bit more like the spirits in my story that actually have I conversations know. and tell you what's going on it would be so
1: great if you could talk to her but i feel like spirits it, they're so complicated we don't really know what the rules are, and how right. they are granted permission to do certain
0: things, yeah, maybe some mysteries were meant to be mysteries forever, right.
1: It's one of those questions, like when you get to heaven, you can ask one question. you can either choose did Stephen Avery really kill her, or where did Amelia Earhart go, one or the other?
0: God, imagine going to heaven and immediately they request that you sign an n d a and you can never <laughs> speak of what happened. Oh it be the worst. I'd be so bad oh, at it. Man, I'd be like, too. sue me.
1: But then it's like, if you break your NDA, you have to go to hell.
0: Hell, yeah. Maybe they're more accepting down there.
1: <laughs> and it's warm, and I'm always cold, so I'm <laughs> all for it. Then she also... Can be heard typing on an old fashioned typewriter because apparently Amelia, while staying at the, uh, while a faculty of the school, she would type late at night on her typewriter, and that was like her time to work. She loved the late nights, oh. and so people hear the sounds of that. Um, other doors and windows have been opened and closed by themselves. Objects will disappear and reappear in strange places, and then there's the Purdue Airport where people who work there, mechanics, employees, will see a shadowy female phantom that lurks in the corner of Hangar 1 and she watches attentively everything that goes on. So she like watches them work and work on the planes and um, when people approach her, this woman who is dressed in a flight suit with close-cropped hair, exactly like Amelia, will just vanish. And it's... And people – like, there have been multiple accounts of people seeing her.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And then during World War II era, there was – the military occupied this airport, and they were in the hangar testing a super secret form of aircraft. And so all these guys' sentries were hanging out in the hangar, and the regular mechanics were just, like, kind of hanging around waiting for Amelia to show up because they knew she would, and they just, like, wanted to see what these sentries would do. They didn't have to wait long because a few nights into them working – they heard the sound of a rifle go off and so they all rush towards the hangar and they're like what's going on and this man is like sheet white he's like panicking (sighs) shaking and he's like he's like there was a woman she she was in a flight suit she approached me and then i i ordered her to halt and she kept walking towards me so he shot but the woman disappeared
0: number one why is he shooting someone if she's just walking towards him
1: well amelia it could be a spy was a tiny
0: little woman
1: it could be a spy who knows i mean she could have been a spy yeah um i mean it was a super secret study so like someone walking in who shouldn't be and they're not listening to you would be scary True, not i guess permission yeah. to shoot but like right you know. and it's
0: like how did you know where i was how did you find yeah. this place
1: it's theorized that it was amelia and she was like kind of messing with these guys Oh, and there was one – there's one story where a woman was working in her office right outside the hangar, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden she heard the sound of an old-fashioned prop engine being started while she was just sitting there. So she, like, got up and ran outside, and she sees a woman in her flight suit, the short hair looking just like Amelia, and she just disappears. So it's, like, these, like, phantom sounds of her getting on her planes and, like
0: that, – Yeah, that's so
1: cool. Yeah. But that's like all the other than that, that no one has really seen her ghost. And it's very mysterious and her story is very confusing. And so that is why I chose another story to tell. This one's similar to yours. It's very sad. Uh, Flight 182. So on the morning of September 25th, 1978, flight 182 departed Sacramento to Los Angeles. And it was a very ordinary flight. And they got to Los Angeles, offloaded some of their uh, passengers, and then prepared for their next flight to San Diego. And it was piloted by James McFerrin, a pilot with nine years of experience. He had thousands of flight hours. And then they had over, I think, over hundred forty-four people on the aircraft, including uh, four crew members who were all in their twenties, one hundred twenty-eight passengers, some of their, old, some of the P- PSA Airlines employees who were traveling to get to their next jobs. And at 8.34 a.m., PSA Jet Flight 182 departed LAX International Airport for their 30-minute journey to Lindbergh Field in San Diego. A minute later, at 8.35 a.m., a small plane piloted by a student pilot, David Boswell, took off from the Montgomery Field in Kearney Mesa, which is San Diego. And David and his instructor instructor were practicing instrument landings, which is a lesson that didn't require a flight plan plan because it was just like you don't fly at a very high altitude. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And basically, for those of you who don't know what instrument landings are, because I didn't know what it was, um, it's basically a pilot or student pilot practicing landings when there's no visibility. So how do you do that when it's a sunny day in San Diego, you may ask? Well, you wear a hood that obscures all of your vision except for the control panel in front of you.
0: Oh, my God. That would freak me out. Yes. That's like so, being blindfolded, and it's like, fall down the stairs, but catch yourself. But, like,
1: do it on a plane now. Good luck. <laughs> so Boswell, he's in, he's flying. He has no visi- visibility of, like, the sky outside of the plane, but his instructor does just in case. Meanwhile, at airport control, there were, like, two con- airport control entities that were communicating based on these two flights. Mm-hmm. And they were both – or. At one point or another, c- giving instructions to these planes. So at 8:53 a.m., 19 minutes after takeoff, flight 182 reported their pos- positioning at 11,000 feet, and air traffic control cleared them to descend to 7,000 feet. So they start descending. On the small plane, David Boswell had completed two of these landings, and he was climbing back up. 1,400 feet, 2,000 feet. At 8.57 a.m., Flight 182 reported that they saw the airport landing strip and that they – and then airport – air traffic control cleared them to approach runway number 27. Okay. At 9 a.m., air traffic control informed David Boswell in the small private plane to remain at or under 3,500 feet and to return back to Montgomery Field. At the same time, Flight 182 182 was descending and reaching 3,200 feet. At 9.01.07, so 9.01 and seven seconds, mm-hmm. flight 182 was advised to land and be cautious of traffic at 12 o'clock. And the pilots were confused because they look out the window and they look at their monitors and they can't see anything. They don't see a plane and they report back to air c- traffic control and they all agreed the plane must have passed. 19 seconds later, the 727 hit the small plane that David Boswell was flying at an elevation of 2,600 feet above the intersection of 38th Street and El Cajon Boulevard. The right wing of the jet struck the top of the small plane, destroying the aircraft and sending the pieces down to the ground, plummeting to the ground, at 32nd Street and Polk Avenue. It crashed, and the two passengers, David and his instructor, died upon impact, and nine people were injured during the collision on the ground, and 22 homes were severely damaged. And this was a tiny plane that fell out of the sky,
0: Yikes. and because That's the mass of homes, too, I know.
1: Mm-hmm. and then the impact with the small plane caused a ton of damage to the large seven twenty seven jet, mm-hmm. causing the jet to go become uncontrollable, and it went into a death spiral. The fuel tank in the wing ruptured and caught fire and 8 seconds after the collision McFerrin advised tower we're going down this is P- PSA At 90207 the 727 plane hit the ground about 30 feet north of the intersection of White and Nile streets at the speed of 300 miles per hour. Because of its angle of impact, the fuselage and the jet landed in a 12-foot by 6-foot impact zone. The resulting compression forces expelled mutilated people, luggage, and cabin contents out of its left side at a high rate speed. So basically everything on the plane was blown to pieces.
0: Yikes.
1: It's really sad. It's uh, the deadliest airplane accident in the history of California with the total number of deaths reaching 144 people. So everyone on the planes died. Um, remarkably, no one on the ground was killed, but that area is now very haunted by spirits. Yeah, Hey, but So one of the stories, there is a girl named Sandra who was a young girl at the time and she lived with, or her grandma lived in the t- in the neighborhood where the crash happened and she was at her grandma's house on the day of the crash and she had just gotten a new bike and she really wanted to go biking and her grandma... She remembers her grandma looking out the pl- out of the window and saying, not today, honey. And, like, was, like, very distraught and upset. But Sandra, being a young kid, was like, I don't get it. Why won't you let me ride my bike? Yeah. Fast forward a few years later, Sandra now realized why she couldn't ride her bike that day. But today, on this day, she was able to ride her bike. And so she goes to ride her bike around the neighborhood. And as she's riding, all of a sudden she feels something draw her in the opposite direction. And so she turns her bike around, she starts biking, and then she gets to the other side of North Park. And when she gets there, she just immediately knows that this was the intersection. It was the crash, or the site of the crash. Oh, no. So she gets off her bike and starts walking around, and all of a sudden she's struck by an overwhelming chill. And this day was like a particularly very nice, I mean, it's San Diego, it's a very nice day, Mm -hmm. it's sunny, but it felt like the spot that she was in, it was like a dark cloud was over it, and just the sun was not hitting that spot it was so cold uh and then she hears a
0: whispering behind her as if someone's standing right behind her oh my god no 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 and do you turn around or do you just run straight forward and hope that it doesn't follow you
1: (laughs) i don't know i mean she seemed pretty chill about it because she was drawn to this place in the first place so maybe she's like in like a kind of a hope hypnosis of sorts yeah but so she turns around and no one's there. And as she's looking in the direction that she first heard the noises, she hears whispering behind her. So she turns, looks there, again, in the opposite direction, whispering behind her. She turns and looks and nothing. Like there's nothing there, but there's all these sounds, every time she has a back turn to it, is in her ears. Like as if someone's oh, whispering behind her. Oh, my God. hmm And then she hears a voice say, hello. And then she hears a bunch of little – kids laughing and then oh. all around her she feels like kids are running around but she, there's nothing she can see oh my god
0: oh my god i hate I this this is so scary
1: <laughs> i know and so she takes out her polaroid camera from her backpack and just starts taking a bunch of pictures and then she gets on her bike and she's like i'm out
0: she's so brave and for I her to even think like i should photograph this that is props to her yeah she really thinks Seriously. clearly in stressful situations yes
1: And so then she develops these photos, and in every single one of the photos she developed, there are tons of orbs. And there are varying reports, like, some people still hear spirits or see spirits, but the town is very quiet about it, and they haven't even – they don't even have, like, a memorial right there in that spot. They do in another part of San Diego, but, like, they don't want to draw too much much attention to that neighborhood because families live there, and I doubt they want to be reminded of the dark past. But, yeah, there are lots of spirits there. And I'm going to end with one – Story about a different plane, that is a little bit happier. Okay. Story goes that a flight attendant went downstairs to prepare the beds for everyone on the plane. And as she opened the stairhouse door and looked in, there was an elderly man sitting on the stairs. And she was very confused. And she was like, "Uh, sir, you're not allowed to be here. Like, can you please return your seat? And he said, oh, I'm sorry. I'm traveling with my wife who is upstairs in seat. He said a seat number. Mm Mm-hmm. And he says, she'll be very worried about me. Can you tell her that I am okay? And so the man kind of goes upstairs towards the bathroom area. And the crew member was like, okay, this is weird. I'm going to go get help. But I'm also going to go tell this woman to get her husband. Right. So she goes upstairs and goes to the seat and says, miss, there's a man downstairs who claims to be your husband, yada, yada. She tells the story. And this woman looks at her and is astonished because she goes, my husband is In a coffin, we're transporting him back to be buried.
0: Oh my God. Oh my God.
1: And the flight attendant was like, so shook. So was this woman. And the woman was like, Are you sure it was him? And like, not someone like pulling a prank on me. And so the flight attendant describes the man to a T, it was
0: her husband. This is so scary, but also so beautiful. Uh huh. I'm overwhelmed. I don't know how to (laughs) feel. It's just sweet because
1: it's like, I'm sure she was, I mean, that's the worst plane ride ever, going to bury your husband. Right. And then just to get a sweet message of,
0: like, I'm okay. It's also shocking. I'm sure she was not expecting that.
1: No. I mean, whoever
0: expects something like that. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's just, it's hard to gauge what someone's reaction would be if someone would respond well to that, or if they'd be in denial, or if they'd be angry at you and Mm -hmm. think that, you know you're making some mean joke oh uh, i don't know but i hope i hope she took it as like a a positive loving sign from her husband and he probably knew that if he appeared to her
1: only it would have spooked her way too much but to have the message come through another person who unfortunately that third party had to be the one getting really spooked
0: yeah <laughs> it, it was like a more yeah peaceful... can you imagine being that person and thinking you really just are delivering like oh hey your husband's <laughs> waiting for you and they're like That's not... My husband's dead. I would be so confused. Yeah. Because every time I've seen a spirit, I've realized within, like, five seconds that it's a spirit. Or maybe there are people that I thought were just people passing me on the street. I think that all the time.
1: Maybe that middle seat that you think is empty isn't really empty.
0: I did do some research on the safest seats that you can be in during a plane crash, and they collected a bunch of data... And it's pretty much aisle seats and it's either in the very front directly over the uh, wing or in the very back. So you got to sit by the bathroom, sit by the pilot or sit right on top of the wing in the very middle in the aisle seat. Uh, Yeah, I always sit window. So I guess I'm screwed. Flying is scary and I hope we didn't freak anyone out we should have given like a little warning hey nervous flyers this one's not for you (laughs) interesting that there are so many ghosts on a plane there's
1: a movie there are plenty of movies about ghosts on a plane
0: it reminds me of that listener story we read about the plane crash and the the ghost child photo on the beach oh i know i know and
1: you know what that story is actually On Reddit, someone has posted it on Reddit because they were like, I heard this story on Two Girls, One Ghost, and I want to figure out what plane crash it was.
0: Yeah, I know. People are really doubting our story. Some people think it was a real child. Some people think we made it up. But guys, it's real.
1: It was a real ghost. We just don't think we have... It's not our place to tell what plane crash it was because it's still pretty recent.
0: We'll come back in 70 years and tell you guys once it's that far removed.
1: (laughs) We'll make sure that when we die part of our nda or part of our contract to learn all the information about all the world and things doesn't preclude us from coming back to tell you the answer of this story our promise to you (laughs) i don't know i can't keep any promises It just depends on how i'm feeling when i'm dead okay wait before i just got a, a text that i feel like i have to read because it's very exciting okay um the Arms Akimbo boys just texted me saying that they're going to post a full-length version of our intro song in the next hour. Wait, what?
0: Since when? Why didn't they tell us they were doing this? I know. This is so exciting.
1: They're going to post a video of it. Like, I think it's like a music video that they did. So, Oh, my God. I'm going to have to stay up
0: late so I can watch it.
1: I know. So, okay. Well, so all of our listeners who have been, like, dying to get a full version of the Arms Akimbo intro song. We will make sure to post it on all of our social media and you can binge listen to it on repeat.
0: And this is their response to you guys because they did us a favor and made us our intro music because they're our musical friends. And we're like, hey, we need intro music. (laughs) We need help. And then everyone's responses to them and how talented they are, Mm -hmm. I guess, has triggered this. And now we get a full length version. Oh my god, I'm so excited. I can't wait. I'm very excited too. We were also mentioned in uh, Vanderbilt, the college, they have a website and we were mentioned on their recommended podcast list. What? I know, smart people listen to us.
1: Oh my god, I'm honored, but also embarrassed because like- (laughs) I'm so embarrassed. Do they listen to us and then have a class of like, these people, (laughs) these folk, blah, blah, blah,
0: big words, (laughs) smart brains. (laughs)
1: this is what not to do in world in world not in in the world world. in world (laughs) let's
0: listen to this podcast for an example of poor english (laughs) (laughs) yes they are native speakers (laughs) oh god okay all right we have listener stories we do this is called did she see into the future a glitch time slip my mother's story Hi, ladies. I love the podcast and listen to it while I'm traveling and while at work. I love the new stories and insights you ladies share and always look forward to new episodes. I recently listened to episode 47, The Glitch, and was thoroughly fascinated by the stories and encounters that were shared. It wasn't until a few weeks later when I remembered a story that my mother had shared with us multiple times, a story that she had shared years before I had any concept of time slips, past lives, glitches, or parallel universes. My mother and I were at a coffee shop recently when she looked at me saying, I'm having really vivid deja vu right now. It reminded me of the podcast episode. And so I asked her if she believed in glitches in the matrix and in time slips. After a moment of silence, her response was, well, I did have that dream. And that's exactly what this story is about. I re-interviewed her, taking notes and paying attention to details this time in hopes to share it with you. I love this. All right, mom. Town to business. We Lay are writing this down. Relax. Now let me take you back to the time you had my dream. <laughs> From here on out, I'm using exact quotes that my mother spoke to me. It was sometime in the 1980s. I was in my 20s. I had a dream that I saw the Air France Concord crash. I saw the plane decline very slowly behind some vehicle bridge. I saw the red bar at the bottom of the screen, so I knew I was watching it on the news, on the TV. It was video footage. It was scary and traumatic at the time, but it was only a dream, which I ended up forgetting about. Fast forward to Tuesday, July 25th, 2000. I looked up to see the news, and I saw somebody had shot video footage of the Air France Concorde 4590 going down. It was slowly declining behind the vehicle bridge. It was exactly as I had seen it in my dream 20 years ago. (sighs) The red bar at the bottom of the news screen was detailing the crash. I gasped. I was like, oh my God, I was shocked. She later added, in 60 years, that's the only wild shit that's happened to me and that's enough. (laughs) Oh my (laughs) God. I'd like to mention that my mother had no connection to anyone or anything related. My mother had no fears of flying or anything alike. She didn't live around any airports or experience anything remotely related or traumatic in her past. She later drew a sketch from her dream, including the bridge, plane, vehicles, and the red news bar. I was on the hunt for the actual footage, but could only come close enough to her pointing out the bridge in a different scene. My family has never been big into discussing the paranormal or unknown. We are firm believers that many weird occurrences that happen in our lives cannot be explained because we as humans can only rationalize to the potential in which we know. Same, yeah, that's a really good way to put it. I had never once heard my mom use the term glitch, time warp, or parallel universe. This story was entirely true and unbiased, and it wasn't until I listened to the glitch episode where I figured this was the closest thing to proving those phenomenons possible and rationalizing them too. This story is short, but sometimes that's all you need to be reminded that there is much more to this world that we are unfamiliar, uncomfortable, and unaware of. I hope you enjoyed this story, and remember that the universe is vast with the unknown. Keep up the great work and stay spooky, XOXOXO, Jackie.
1: That's a straight up premonition, and like, I just
0: am so confused. And here's the thing that we have found that is, it seems to be a common theme throughout premonitions. Everybody has dreams. Everybody has wild dreams. But when people have these premonition dreams, it somehow sticks with them and it stands out. And for 20 years, they can remember the exact details of a particular dream and know that there was something off about it and will remember it and it will keep coming up in their memory and they will tell people about it. And then it comes true. Yeah. It's so wild. My mind can't even wrap around it. And it's I just know. like, I would just want to know the reason of premonitions. Is it is it given to us so that we are more open and more accepting of things and understand that things are beyond what we can comprehend? Or are we supposed to get to a level where we can actually do something with these premonitions?
1: I mean, that's what I wonder because it's like, yes, this dream really stuck out to her mom. But like... There was no indication that this was something that was going to happen until it happened. And then it was like, oh, I put this all together. Like, I saw this happen before it happened. 20 years before it
0: happened. So, like, it was just a scary, weird sort of like, oh, in my dream I was watching a plane crash on TV. Right. And so even if she could see a year and
1: if she was able to – or sorry, even if she was able to understand that it was a premonition, what do you – supposed to do because you don't know a specific time date and then who are you going to tell because people are gonna be like you're crazy that's not going to happen and like that's 20 years from
0: now this reminds me of um my mom had a friend who uh, the day before the tsunami happened in thailand back in however many years ago she woke up and she just started crying and she was like completely frantic and she was like water there's water there's water everywhere and she was like freaking out and could not oh that gave me chills yeah could not be calmed and she called her brother told her brother and he was like don't worry you're being crazy like get over it I don't know what you want me to tell you and then a day later he called her and was like there was a tsunami in Thailand ugh but if you don't have all the information you can't you can't piece it together just because you see water and feel water just because you see an airplane on TV with a ticker going across doesn't mean you know anything. And too, especially when it does come to planes, it's like, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to, if you do think you know, are you going to run and say like, there's going to be a plane crash? Like, guess what? You're going to be put in jail. They're going to think you're doing something. Right. Oh, it's
1: so crazy. I know. Yeah, and then like who decides why, who gets the message and like why? Or is it just a random fluke and like accidentally that message slipped like in a time glitch type of thing in a matrix glitch of sorts where it it just like accidentally slipped into our realm and she caught it right like a virus kind of thing I just I don't know
0: or maybe she accidentally slipped into 20 years in the future and she didn't know that she was her future self because you're within your own body you don't know oh you're your own self watching TV she's not looking down and being like my hands look a little older (laughs) (laughs) wow wow
1: sorry i have one from sarah sarah says the subject line is my spooky tale or that time two year old sarah spooked her parents hello ladies greetings from london i'm sending you this email on the same day that i received my patreon thank you in the post you two are so sweet and it really made my day i discovered your podcast a few months ago and have been devouring episodes ever since apart from the two-week break when my boyfriend was away and i was home alone It definitely makes my commute more bearable. I have a story for you, an incident that happened when I was very young. It's something that my dad has mentioned to me a number of times over the years, and I recently asked him to send me more details so that I could could email them to you. So here it goes. This is a good episode to tell everyone. Ask your parents for ghost stories or ask them for details.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, please.
1: They know. Okay. So it was Sunday, August 28th, 1988. Thirty years ago or so. I had turned to I had turned to the previous month. My dad was in the army and we were stationed on a base in Germany. On this particular day, my parents and I were on a day trip that had been organized by my dad's unit. We had been to the town in Mossel Valley that was famous for its wine. The group went to a wine tasting before picnicking on the banks of the river and going on a boat trip up the valley. During most of the afternoon, there were lots of jets flying around in holding patterns for a big air display being hosted by a US German base at Ramstein, a couple of valleys south of where we were. After a lovely afternoon, we were all on the couch heading home. I was sitting next to my mom, and my dad was behind me, and an Australian couple who were friends of my parents sat nearby. I'd been entertaining them all with my two year old chatter when suddenly I blurted out, Planes crash in the sky! My parents and their friends all looked at each other, and then my dad asked, What did you say? Apparently, I looked at him as if he was thick, with an exasperated expression repeated, "'Planes crash in the sky!' Dad says it like, "'Didn't you hear me the first time?' The adults all thought it was odd, but no one said anything more. When we got home, my dad, who had been thinking about my announcement all the way home, put the TV on. And in those days, there were a text-based news bulletin service called Teltext that the BBC provided to overseas British forces. And my parents were shocked to see the headline news. There had been a serious crash at the Ramstein show. Three planes from from an Italian display team had been involved in a mid-air collision. There were 70 fatalities and 346 spectators sustained serious injuries in the resulting explosion and fire. I asked my dad if there was any way I could have heard someone talking about it, and he said that these were the days before internet and mobile phones, so there's no way anyone in our group could have heard about the incident before getting back to the base. Apparently, I was the talk of the unit the next day as quite a few people had overheard our conversation, and it made such an, ex- such an impression on their Australian friends that one of them brought it up when my dad went to visit her in 2002. My my dad then went on to tell me that he's convinced I was psychic when I was a baby as I would see and acknowledge a presence that neither he or my mom could see in our old house in Warsaw, Poland. He's convinced that the presence was benign and I do recall him previously mentioning that they would overhear me burbling away at something when I was alone in my room. So there it is, the chilling tale from my childhood that creeps me out even though I am the creepy thing in it. Sorry for the essay. Keep up the good work and stay spooky. Much love, Sarah, as in Sarah with no H. Please excuse my awkward parents. (laughs)
0: Oh my God. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm really curious because it sounds like she, well, she definitely was talking to someone growing up. So she saw someone. And it makes me wonder about the spirit if maybe the spirit told her about the planes and was kind of like, hi, like almost like a learning lesson. Like sometimes bad things happen to people. Right. And maybe it was trying to explain it to her. And what she took away from it was like, planes crash from the sky. Or, I wonder because they could see the planes off in the distance, like
1: if something had happened and the spirits traveled to find someone to tell, and she was the only person who could, like, see or (sighs) witness. I just
0: got chills. Oh Uh, my gosh. Yeah, that's so freaky. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And she said it in front of so many people, too. So it's like everyone's like, what? And then it came true. So it's like everyone's like, uh,
1: your child yeah can tell the future
0: yeah i wonder what the timing was like the exact timing
1: oh yeah like if it was the exact time that it happened and she was saying planes fall out of the sky or if it right. was like minutes later or
0: yeah or, or whatever was, it was before sort of like almost like projection of what was happening there if it projected <sighs> into the sky and so she was actually seeing planes yeah. fall from the sky but it was some uh, it was paranormal implanted just for her or certain people to be able to see. Oh my god. Uh-huh. Is not that freaky to and I love how she's like I'm scared of it even though like it was me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, I would be scared of it too. Yeah.
0: Because she has no memory of it so it's like it's weird to be like, "Oh, I did that?" That's like w- when my mom tells me the reincarnation stuff that I did when yeah. I was little. I'm yeah. like, that's creepy. And she's like, yeah, I was scared to be alone with you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when your own child freaks you out, that's, you know, you gotta. What do you do?
0: What do you do? You can't, you can't do just anything. I'm
1: in the woods. No, please don't do that. I said you can't. So don't do it. We'll Planting yell at you. Ideas, we will 100% Sabrina. haunt you then.
0: Yeah. Wow. Okay. So. <laughs> If this episode has taught me anything, it's that there's literally a ghost story attached to anything and everything. Yeah. No matter what the topic, there is a story. That's very true. And our listeners will have experiences.
1: <laughs> yeah. So email us all your stories because I. the more we read, the more topics we are inspired to talk about mm-hmm. on the podcast. So it could be way out there. It could be something we've never talked about. It could be something we have talked about. Just email it to us at two girls one ghost podcast at gmail dot com.
0: Yes. And if we've already covered the topic, still email it to us. We can include it in encounters and I'm sure we're gonna repeat some of our topics. We already have a few yes. repeats that we're planning on doing. Yeah. So yeah. email it our way. Um you can rate and review us on iTunes, blah blah mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah.
1: And support us on Patreon. We are calculating right now um, how much money we made in October to donate to those? Um, yeah.
0: it's still October now, so tomorrow when it's November, we'll be right. able to get our exact number and then donate the thirteen percent to thirteen yeah. percent to the two charities that we chose: Old Dog Haven and Black Cat Rescue. Yep, we have merchandise. If you want to represent, you can buy some of our stuff off of the Big Cartel site. Um, what are we forgetting? oh we have social media we have instagram we have facebook we have twitter
1: and check those out for the full-length version of our intro song by arms akimbo because oh my god i'm so excited i'm looking forward to this yes and we will and we will
0: see See you you on the the other other side. side i think i'm already dead
1: very spooky